Welcome to Empowering Homeschool Conversations. This is a weekly broadcast put on by Sped Homeschool, who is a nonprofit. And um, we have a desire to empower parents to homeschool unique learners. And so thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Peggy Ployer, and I'm the founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool. If you want to find out more about our nonprofit, you can check us out at sped, S-P-E-D, homeschool.com. And I also want to thank Bookshark for sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We'll learn more about them about halfway through the show, but if you want to find out something about them right now, you can check them out at bookshark.com. So um, tonight we are continuing our discussion. So this month we are talking about how do we teach all those kids in our house all at the same time without going crazy? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight with our guests. So I want to welcome you, Julie, um, Nally. Um, thank you for joining us tonight to help continue this discussion on this topic. Hi, welcome. Thank you for letting me come. Yeah, well, welcome back, I should say. Um, Julie joined us in January talking about um, crafting creative and thoughtful um, curriculum, kind of more on the eclectic approach to homeschooling. So you'll definitely if um, want you to check out that, um, that video as well. It was aired back in January or the podcast, um, either or. We do turn this broadcast into a podcast. So, um, so know that you can either join us live, you can watch us recorded, um, you can listen to us recorded, um, those podcasts come out the Sunday after the show, or um, we also take four shorter segments, about three to five minutes from each broadcast, and we republish it the week after. So lots of different ways to, to kind of interact with our content. And I do want to encourage you, if you are... If you watch a short segment and you go, ooh, that was really interesting, go back and find the full broadcast and um, and dig into that. And because if you're connecting with one piece of it, you're going to want to connect with with a lot more of it. So, um, so Julie, I'm super excited. I've already seen your notes about what you're going to share tonight. And our viewers and listeners are in for a treat. So, um, so I just want to thank you again for just being here. I want to thank our our um, viewers who are popping on. I see we are have quite a few that are joining us. Um, just know that if you're watching live, that you can join us in this conversation, be part of it, um, comment and add questions um, in the feed, wherever you're watching from, if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or on Periscope. So, um, but Julie, as we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe even for viewers that watched you in January, they may not remember a, a lot about your, your story. Um, or if they're just catching you for the first time, I would love for you to just introduce yourself and, and let our viewers know who you are. Well, my name is um, Julie Nall, and my first name is pronounced Julie, even though it's spelled Julia, because my parents did that to me. Um <laughs> I'm a mom of five children, two bio who are grown and out of the house, but I, awesome. they live close enough that I get to see them a lot and I make them call me every day because that's the rules. Uh, um, I have three I adopted like to keep us young. <laughs> I have a nursing license. I have an education degree and a master's of arts with an emphasis in counseling ministry and old Testament. I have taught something for over 35 years and actually probably mm. more than that, but official teaching 35 years. My husband and I own and co-write um, Biblio Plan, which is a history and literature curriculum. Mm -hmm. 
I, um, I'm a lover of the Lord. I love my family. I love teaching. And my favorite thing in the world is to read books. Oh, awesome. Yes. Dive into those books. So have you always wanted to be a homeschooler? Have nope. you? Uh, nope. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your homeschooling. So when my oldest encouragement. <laughs> when my oldest boys were entering school, I can tell you I was not going to homeschool. I went against everything I knew because I had an education degree. Mm. Um, and I, I believe that st- students need kids needed to be in school. They needed to be socialized. Um, I just thought it was important. My oldest mm. son was a people person. And so I felt like, boy, he needed to be in school to be around those friends. Um, my second one was not a people person. And so I thought, well, he needs to be in school to be around kids to learn how to socialize. And so <laughs> my first son wanted socialization. My second son needed socialization. So I sent mm-hmm. them to a little Christian school. And after about the first 30 minutes of it, I hated it. It was a very strict, oh. very um, harsh school. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like ready to pull them out. But my my I love people son got there and made friends within the first day and he was happy. And so we just kind of, you don't rock a boat that's going smoothly. And so we kept them there and, um, and they Mm -hmm. stayed for a number of years until my oldest son got the teacher that was not the nicest teacher in the world. She did not like boys and she was super strict beyond normal strict. Mm. And he, um, by the fourth week of school, he was begging, he was crying every day, please don't send me back, please don't send me back. And so we had to make a decision. And so we decided at that point to homeschool. So I got Mm -hmm. literally thrown into the deep end of homeschooling. I had no idea what I was doing. I had been so opposed to it. Now here, all of a sudden, I'm doing it. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So... Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, that, that, that's similar to probably a lot of parents' stories. And I know in our community with special needs, that's an everyday thing that has been for a long time, but even people now that are COVID homeschooling, they feel like that same thing has happened to them. Um, So, so yeah, do you have any encouragement to share on that side? So, well, in the first weeks I started out with actually with the curriculum they had been doing at the Christian school. Um, but I didn't last very long with that because I wasn't really in love with it. And I tend to be kind of a free spirit. And so, um, I like to teach outside the box. So I just ditched the box. Yeah. Um, but I had to pick what we were going to do and I had two priorities. My number one was to do as much homeschooling as we could do together because I didn't want to put my kids in their own little separate cubbies because I was all about socialization. And, um, and so I wanted to do as much as I could together with my kids and I wanted them to read because I'm a lover of books. Mm-hmm. Um, so back then, because um, this was a while back, traditional was pretty much the way to go. There wasn't, um, yeah, there wasn't a lot of other options too. back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. So back then, the traditional was each child had their pile of books, and mom went back and forth between them, helping them work through their daily assignments. Mm-hmm. And um, doing school together when your children were not in the same grade was not a popular practice. You just, people just didn't do it. But I stumbled upon a little known curriculum called Biblio plan. And it was Mm -hmm. written by some ladies in our area. And all it was, was just this little guide that lined up history and literature. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the premise of doing history in order. And I really liked that because I had a master's in, in old Testament and I was like, Ooh, learning, starting at ancients and going that way. That really made me that kind of ring my bells. Um, and it, inc- it incorporated books, which was like, okay, that's my mm-hmm. second love. So, um, and it allowed us to do history together. 
history and geography as a family. And that was like, that was just all the bells and whistles went off in that one. Um, it changed our lives. All of a sudden, my kids are reading books. We were doing history. We were loving history. And we were enjoying our time together as a family. Um, that we would read it together and then dad would come home at night and we would talk about it. And it was just, it was just the highlight. Um, we, it was back then it was just a guide. It did there were not, there was nothing that went with it. It didn't have timelines. It didn't have, um, so I had to go find all the pictures. It didn't have maps. There was no question pages. There was nothing open and go about it. It was a lot of work. But it still was really fun. And um, mm -hmm. and I actually started homeschooling a couple other kids by this point. After a couple of years, I had four kids around my table instead of two. Um, so I was like really multitasking. So yeah. doing the history, yeah. <laughs> doing the geography together. And there were some other things that we did together that I'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. um, just, just was just really important. Right. Anyway, to make a really long story short, that guide, um, I started using it at our, at our co-op, mm -hmm. teaching it. And um, the owner of the guide had her child in my class and she started seeing all the stuff that I was doing with the guide. I was making maps and timelines and all this stuff. And so mm -hmm. she was, she, she asked if we could partner. And so we partnered. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of, we've been with BiblioPlan ever since. So my husband and I own the company now. Yeah. 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 And we, um, we just did a, one of our, review crew members just did a review or the unboxing is actually already on our YouTube channel of, um, of Julie's, uh, the Biblio plan. And I think the, um, the review premieres on Thursday. So you cool. want to check, check those out because it just to, to have gone from a guide to what you have, um, it, it's, is quite amazing because I know our, our reviewer opened up the book and I was like, wow, that is such a good resource. So I um, just want to cool. give that plug for you. Um, Thank so you. Can, yeah. Can you give us a few reasons why learning together is so good? Cause I think okay. we, we think that, you know, it's best that a child learns at their own level and, and that's just the way we should do it. Well, number one, it saves time. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it saves a lot of time because mom's not bumping back and forth from cubby to cubby to cubby, but she's working it together. Mm. Number two, it saves money. You're not buying separate yeah. books for each specific child. Mm -hmm. You're, you're buying a set for everyone and you're working off of those books. Right. Um, three, it's engaging, it's fun. Mm -hmm. And it's usually when mom is at her best because that's when mom's trying, mom's got everybody at the table and mom's trying to keep everybody engaged. Mm -hmm. And so mom's, that's usually mom's highlight. Um, yeah. Number four, it provides the socialization they need because kids do need to be socialized. Mm -hmm. And if they're not socialized out there, they need to be socialized within the family. Mm -hmm. um, and that was something that was kind of eye opening for me was that um, my kids learn to love each other deeply in a different way than, than if they had been in school all the time. So that's mm -hmm. important. Um, yeah. It encourages healthy competition. So as you're working mm -hmm. together, um, you're asking questions. They're, they're, they're trying to beat each other for the answers. That's mm -hmm. healthy. That's good. Right. Uh -huh. It allows the younger ones to learn from the older ones. Mm -hmm. So they can, um, you know, they can, they can watch big brother, big sister and learn from them. But it also allows the older ones to 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 mentor those younger ones right. teaches them how to teach mm -hmm. gives them teaching skills right and we know that the, when you teach something you you learn it even better yes. so, so that important. yeah 
that's kind of my reasons why that it's mm. it's a good thing to, to to do as many things as you can together. Yeah. Now I'm there. There are some things though that you can't do together, aren't there? Yeah. There are definitely certain subjects that don't lend themselves yes. to doing mm-hmm. together. Teaching your child to read. You, mm. if, if moms yeah. with little ones, you got to teach those kids to read, and that is an individual sport. It's individually <laughs> to each child. Um, spelling is another one that you can't ask mm. a first grader to spell fifth grade words. They're, yeah. They just need their own yeah. words. Mm-hmm. Um, math is grade age ability specific. I am so big on finding math programs for your kids that are age that that are that are specific to that mm-hmm. individual child. That doesn't mm-hmm. that means that not every child is going to do the exact same math program. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very ability specific. And then grammar. Grammar is a subject that builds each year, and mm-hmm. children need the stepping stones of building in order to master grammar and become great writers. Right. And so those are subjects that, you know, really hard to do unless your mm-hmm. kids are, like, one grade apart or, you know, really close. You can't really do um, most of those cl- those um, subjects by themselves, together. So those are kind of together. Those are kind of your by-yourself subjects. Sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's. Perfect to say that because I think we think, well, if I'm going to teach my kids together, I'm just going to do it all. But it, those those stepping stone types of, of classes are are really important. So I'm glad that you you pointed that out. But um, that aside, what can we do together? <laughs> A lot of stuff. Mm. So. I want to start with vocabulary and people are going to go, wait a minute. Vocabulary should be up on the other list. Okay. And Mm. for your, if you're in the older, if you have a wide age span, if you have like just littles and bigs, then yes, vocabulary needs to go up. But vocabulary is something that if you have kids within a five to six year age span, Mm. you can do it together. Mm. So my suggestion would be over a two week period, you focus on like 10 or 15 vocabulary words. And you mm-hmm. can choose a curriculum like Wordly Wise or oh, you can wow. or any something else. Mm-hmm. But you pick, you find those those curriculums that you can do for two weeks mm-hmm. and you spend two weeks working on those words. And the younger kids are just going to memorize the meaning of the words and maybe mm-hmm. practice writing them. Just the basic, basic. This is our, our vocabulary words and let's learn them. Right. You can slim down their list to maybe only five to ten words. Mm-hmm. The older students are going to do the full gamut. They're going to learn the meaning, use the words mm-hmm. as their spelling words. They're going to le- learn synonyms, antonyms. They're going to incorporate the words into writing and on and on. Mm-hmm. The words are going to get posted somewhere in your kitchen or in your house. Yes. And everyone in the family is challenged to find ways to incorporate that new vocabulary into mm-hmm. their everyday talk. So think of all the games you can play together right. with those vocabulary words. Have a family meal where every sentence has to incorporate one of the words. Uh-huh. And we've done this and it's really kind of, it's very funny and it's very wow. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Write a story with all the words. Uh-huh. Have them pick a word and create a drawing that illustrates its meaning. Have a mm-hmm. challenge where they have to put as many of the words as they can in one sentence mm-hmm. or they, or write or, you know, anything that vocabulary can be a very family affair and it, you know, super easy to do. You don't have to go, you don't have to buy every single book for every single child, but you just buy one for the main group mm-hmm. or one, you know, for probably your oldest in that range. And then right. go from there and let the other ones just kind of jump in and do those same words without having to spend the money for everybody having their own. That's a great idea. I 
Love that. Well, so that has vocabulary covered. Um, what about Bible or devotions? Of course. Mm-hmm. Bible, definitely done as a family all 12 years. Mm. Daily devotions, reading a passage together, discussing, praying. Um, and, and, and it can be the first thing you do or dinner time or at the end of the day. It is a family affair. You can do Bible all the way through K to 12, all the way from pre-K to beyond. It's just, it is just that thing. Studying the Bible, and this is, this is a big, huge deal. Studying the Bible does not have to be a dry duty, and it should not be a dry duty. You're, I, I, I can remember um, growing up where I would go to some friends' houses whose, whose, parent, whose families did devotions, mm-hmm. and those families who did the dry duty, You'd sit there and just go, can you come to my house tomorrow instead of me go to your house? Because you just want to sit there and listen to the father expound for 45 minutes. Right. right. That's not good. That's going to kill your kids. And then when they're turn 18, they're going to be out the door and go, I never want to do this again. Bible should be like that, that highlight of the day. It should be the time where they just drink it and want to talk about it and want to do it. Um, Morning singing or, or worshiping together or having, asking a question and letting your kids gruel over it and fight through it and, and and dissect it. Um, Looking at parables, Bible can be watching YouTube videos of Bible stories. Bible can be um, having them share what they've learned, anything. It should just be the favorite part of the day as a family. Oh, I love that. Yes. I read Randy Alcorn's Heaven, but for the kids version. And I remember my kids just talking and dreaming about what heaven would be like in that conversation. And it was just so sweet. And so, yes, I highly, highly encourage that you just make it more than just the dry devotions. So important. Absolutely. We're focusing that. What about science? I've, I've heard, you know, I, I have a degree in physics. I love science. I've taught science to my kids all through homeschooling. Uh, what are your thoughts on doing that as a group or individually? So science can be done as a family until the oldest hits about seventh or eighth grade. Mm. Um, once you hit that seventh or eighth grade and they're going for high school credit, and they right. kind of need to peel off and go work on that high school credit stuff. And, and it's a little bit hard to ask a, a little, you know, younger child to have to deal with chemistry or biology. Right. Um, yeah. But you up until then, from sixth, seventh grade, mm-hmm. all the way down, you can do one science for all of those kids. Mm-hmm. You don't need to have every single child doing their own science. program. In fact, that would just that would make me crazy. We did science as a family and it just made it so much more fun. Mm-hmm. You can so there and there's different things you can do. You can find a family friendly experiment focused science program. Mm-hmm. So one that you can buy um, and learn science together or you can find unit study type science. Yeah. So do a unit on birds or do a unit on rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and and your focus should be hands on. If you don't know the science, just do it and learn it with your kids. I, I mm-hmm. We had experiments that didn't work. Let's try this rocket. We blew it up and nothing happened, you know, and you oh, try no. again. And, <laughs> you know, but that's half the fun is, you know, right. what, what did we learn? What can we do that's better? Um, yes. That's being a scientist. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And, and you just encourage your kids to ask questions, explore further, watch YouTube videos on how to make that rocket go up and see if you can figure it out. Go mm-hmm. on rabbit trails. Um, yeah, yeah, that's super important. 
because that that's what makes a true scientist. And so taking that out of that science is kind of bleeds it dry. So, um, so I can see. So do you have any, when you, you know, is recommendations for how much science to do if you do it that way? Cause then you aren't following a particular curriculum, but how much should you be adding in, I guess, with the other stuff? If you do science um, twice a week for about 30 minutes or so, I call that a win. Um, I honestly, even if you do follow a curriculum, that's probably what you would probably put into it too. I'm not a big from seventh grade and under on answering the questions and mm-hmm. and t- doing the testing and doing all of that, the busy work. Science should just be, if you're going to read the, part, the, the the section and learn about it and then do the experiments, but do mm-hmm. the fun stuff, do the hands-on, because that's what the kids are going to remember. And answering the questions and, and, and taking the tests are kind of like, you don't need to do that until they get up into high school and then you can go from there. So 30 minutes twice a day, twice a week um, is probably a good amount. Is that about what you did with your kids? Yeah. Yeah. We did unit studies. So sometimes science was all we did for like, we did 12 weeks, I think on the systems of the body, but then, you know, we, we jump into something like cultural or history and uh-huh. we don't touch science the rest of the year. So it just, it, it was easier for me to manage because <laughs> I know we could just totally focus in with having kids on the spectrum. They kind of like to be hyper-focused on one thing. So that just works. And that is, that's another way of doing it. If you, you know, because you can make your science, you can do your science as a whole unit study. So you can add in your reading and your literature and your science and your history and all of that around what you're doing with the science. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. So, so what else, what else can we do together? So we can do memory work all 12 years. Um, I, I just, I'm, I loved doing memory with my kids. I every memorize so much. Okay. And I know that in the classical circles, um, the younger students are the ones who do the memory work and the older students are supposed to like move on from there. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that um, children of all ages should memorize, including the adults. I think we need to keep our brains fresh and strong to memorize with our kids. Mm, that's um, so true. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that you include us, too. Um, yes. Because we're always learning. And I, I think we forget that we we are always learning. So what should we memorize? Well, um, Bible, number one, Bible mm-hmm. passages. And not just individual verses, but a passage, because I think kids, kids retain it longer if yes. they've spent more time working through a passage than if you just do little spot individual mm-hmm. verses. Um, the books of the Bible. How many kids uh-huh. don't know the books of the Bible? And when you ask mm-hmm. them to go find the book of Titus oh, and they have to look at yeah. the beginning of the book to figure it out. Uh-huh. Um, the Lord's Prayer. So when I was growing up, we did the Lord's Prayer in church. Mm-hmm. And we did um, the Apostles' Creed in church, and we actually mm-hmm. learned the Ten Commandments in church. We we said them every other week, mm-hmm. and you know, so we said them. But right. a lot of churches nowadays don't they do don't. those things, right. and so mm-hmm. the kids never even learn the Apostles' Creed, which is a creed of what we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't learn what the Ten Commandments are, and even though we don't necessarily follow them to the rigid law, that's an mm-hmm. important thing to memorize. So those are things mm-hmm. that you can memorize because we're not doing that in churches as much anymore. Hymn lyrics. We've stopped singing hymns in church, mm-hmm. but the lyrics of those hymns are so oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so learn, sing some, sing some hymns and learn the lyrics 
Um, poems are great. Speeches, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the Declaration of Independence. Everyone, every kid needs to know the Declaration, the preamble to the Constitution, mm-hmm. um, countries, capitals, history timelines, mm-hmm. um, the presidents, yeah. king lists from like different, different, um, different co- countries, different empires, mm-hmm. um, science mm-hmm. facts like the periodic table, and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's that's boring, but you know what? It's a really good good start for when they get into to, um to especially if your child's into stem um to learn mm-hmm. those facts beforehand saying hello in different languages oh yeah uh-huh. that's a really fun thing to do mm-hmm. teaching them sign language morse yes. code um oh, here's yeah. a good one to learn latin roots prefixes and suffixes mm-hmm. um especially again for kids that are going into any kind of nursing or or medical or oh, or yeah. anything uh-huh. To learn those roots, I actually did. Um, we, when I was growing up, we actually did learn with my family. We did learn them for some odd reason because I was not homeschooled. Um, and so it was really good when I went to nursing school to know those beforehand. It made nursing so much easier because I had a really good base. I never learned learn Latin. So then after you've memorized something, then you can add in public speaking to memory work because you have your child perform. And of course, mom and dad are going to perform too because they're memorizing. So everybody gets to perform. So it's good for them to learn how to present to the audience. And then the audience can give them tips on how they can, how they should be standing and how their presentation went. So you're adding in a whole element of public speaking to your memory work. So that's another whole subject. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, So yeah, that's, that's, it takes it to the next level again the, to that teaching that mentoring level you were talking about before is is when you're you're actually doing it as a presentation so so what about history and geography at the very beginning you said that we do history and geography together how does that look <laughs> so um yeah bible history is the one subject in geography that you can do all together as a family all the mm. way through K to 12 um you don't need a separate geography program so picture this, it's Monday morning and everyone's sitting around the table, maybe eating together, maybe breakfast is finished, it's family mm. time, you've just done your morning devotions, you're going to get a globe out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and if you even want to be more fun, get two globes out, one so that we can have globe wars, because I love globe wars. We uh-huh. try to figure out where things are. Um, globes give kids perspective, yeah. not just a flat yeah. map. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, but you also want to give everybody some kind of a map or have a map on the wall so that they can see where mm-hmm. you are. Okay, I love the painless oh, learning wow. maps. They are right on wipe off maps. They're like place maps, hmm. and they're from the painless learning company. But Rainbow Resource sells them. You can get them from Amazon. Any those, class yeah. I teach, mm-hmm. all my students have those painless learning maps sitting in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they you use as you're as you're teaching. I want my children to see what we're studying. So if I if I'm talking about Britain, then before we even get into it, I want them to find Britain on that map. I want them to find Britain on that globe. I want them to visualize it. I want them to touch it. I want them to know where we're talking about because it gives them perspective. Right. So then with everyone at the table, you're going to spend 20 to 45 minutes enjoying time reading the history for the day. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So how much do you read then um, during that time? So how much you read depends upon who's sitting at the table. 
if it's only littles like K to twos, then you're going to read just like five to 15 minutes. You're going to make it really simple, really mm -hmm. short. You are not going to kill those babies. You're going to just give them just a little bit. And then, and if they can't handle it, then you let them go. They're just, they're little. If they're 10, like age 10, like fourth grade or under, then you're going to read a little bit more, 15 to 20 minutes. If, they, if you have middle schoolers, then the reading's going to increase 30 to 45 minutes. And if you have high schoolers, you're going to read for 45 minutes to an hour. Hmm. Um, what if you have a wide range, though? So if you have a mix of ages, yeah. mm -hmm. then you're going to read to the majority. Read what most of them are going to are going to enjoy and need. So if I have littles and middles and upper and those and those advanced kids, I'm going to pick that middle group. And I'm going to read to them and I'm going to yeah. let the little ones listen. But if they kind of mm -hmm. go off and start playing with marbles, that is okay, mom. They're going to mm -hmm. get it when you come back around again. And right. if the older ones go, I want to go be independent. That's okay too, because they mm -hmm. can be independent. Um, yeah. But this way you're, you're trying to pull them together as much as you can. And mm -hmm. as you're reading, you are stopping a lot you're not mm. just straight reading. You're engaging them in the reading. You're asking questions. You're explaining things. You're laughing because history is like one of those subjects right. that has got, it's crazy. History mm -hmm. is, has got so many crazy stories in it and crazy happenings and so much mm -hmm. violence, so much just that you just have to stop and pause and go, did you just hear what I just read? Right. And I do that all the time. That is Great advice. So true. Yeah, because we can make it so dry. I thought history was dry until we actually homeschooled. And I was like, wow, I'm enjoying this. And yeah, you do. You have to to kind of dig into that. You have to find the story. So if you're finding, mm -hmm. if you're reading a curriculum that's just dry, boring, go find the curriculum that's full of stories because history should be story based. And while you're reading, you're constantly pointing to that globe and finding the places on the map. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in addition to that, what else are your kids doing while you're reading? I'm so while you're reading, yeah. some of those kids are going to be sitting there quietly. In mm -hmm. fact, while you're reading anything, science, anything, while you're reading, they're going to sit quietly and listen and not make a peep except to answer the questions because those are your good kids. Those are the ones you want to have around your table, right? And some of those kids are going to be wiggling in their seats. And they're going to be down on the floor. And they're going to be crawling across. And they may even be in the other room. And some yeah. of them are going to be trying to doodle on that painless learning map that's sitting in front of them. Mm. But guess what, mom? All those ways are okay. Some of those kids that are sitting quietly, they might not, they might, they might look the look, the look but they, mm -hmm. those kids might be the ones that are the most checked out. Yeah, And, and so often true. we think mm -hmm. that the ones that are looking straight, I have a child who sits in church and he looks like he is so paying attention hmm. and he has that cherubic face, the little dimples, and he's just looking and you just think, man, he is drinking this in mm -hmm. and you get home and you say, what was that sermon about? And he has absolutely no clue. Oh. None. And my kid that's sitting there with his Bible and his shape is, is moving the pages and all that. And uh -huh. you ask him, he's right on it. He can tell you exactly what the what it's about. So a lot of times mm -hmm. our little sweet, quiet listeners are not really listening. So, you know, the ones that are on the floor that are climbing mm -hmm. around, they're the ones that a lot of times are the ones that listen the best. They're, mm -hmm. they're drinking it in and their movement. And the doodler, mm -hmm. that's me. I'm a doodler. I need to have something going for me to listen. I'm a better listener when I'm doodling. In fact, I'm so tempted sitting here. I got yeah. pens here. I keep reaching over because I want to doodle. I am that bad of a doodler. 
<laughs> so if you're straight reading and making it as boring as possible, then mom, you're going to lose them in any subject, That's in so anything, cool. you're going to lose them. They are going to check out on you. You have to engage them. You have to stop what you're reading. You have to react to what you're reading. You have to ask them questions. You have to tell them what you think and you have yes. to push them to think. If they're using our material, Biblioplan material, they can actually have a coloring picture out and they can color the picture while you're reading. That's something they can be doing. That helps that wiggler onto the table get up and, yeah. and work uh -huh. and do it. Also having those maps sitting there as they're looking at the map, that helps them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You want to tell them why they're coloring that picture. You don't want to just mm -hmm. hand them a picture and say, color this. Yes. You want to say, hey, so this mm -hmm. is Attila the Hun today. And we're going to be coloring him and explaining and wait till you read about him, okay? And then as they're coloring Attila, then it makes sense. Um, the other thing that I really like to do with kids is I like to give them a blank piece of paper hmm. and, um, and colored pencils that are on the table. And I like to give them the task of illustrating something that you read about. So as you're reading, they get to pick something that you're drawing, that they get to draw something that you're reading about. In history, hmm. this is the one time when they can actually read, draw the blood, guts, and gore, right? Uh -huh. Because uh -huh. we don't usually let our kids draw blood, guts, and gory pictures a lot of times. Just, no, you can't draw the knife going in. But in history, there's so many bloody stories. That's right. the one time when the boys can draw it. Um, so that's one thing that they can do is illustrate while you're drawing, while you're reading. Mm. Mm -hmm. They can also, especially for your older kids who are sitting there and they've got to answer questions out of their book, they mm -hmm. can have their question pages open. And as you're reading oh, and as you're yeah. talking, they can quietly and quickly answer their questions. So it helps them get those. And especially if you have struggling learners, mm -hmm. you can stop and say, hey, here's a question. Here's an answer. Let's write this down because that way you're, you're getting you're catching it as you're going. So um, mm -hmm. that's something you can do also with your little ones. If they're bored and checking out, you can give them that Play-Doh or kinetic sand or quiet mm -hmm. soft toys that they can play with that mm -hmm. only come out when you're reading. Um, oh, yes. That way you're, mm -hmm. you're it's it special. Yeah. And as I said, you're discussing, you're discussing. Mm -hmm. um, we have a discussion guide with tons of props for what to discuss. Um, whether you use ours or not, discussion questions are great resources to engage all the family members. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we are halfway through, and I know, Julie, you have more to share about um, just this reading part and, and history. So um, we are definitely going to come back and explore more of that because if this is piquing your interest and in going, oh, yes, I want that. <laughs> Julie has some even some more suggestions. And I know, Diana, you have a question, and we will come back and address that first when we get back. So, so Julia, I will, I'm sure you can see that question. I'm going to let you look at that and think about an answer um, as we take a, a break to hear from our sponsor, Bookshark. And, um, and then Julie will be back to, to, um, to talk with us some more about that. So um, I just want to thank Bookshark for um, sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And I'm going to throw their graphic up there for those of you that are watching. 
And just know that Bookshark, um, Dana says the Bookshark was the best thing I've done for myself and my kids. Um, and Tracy says, I definitely regret not starting Bookshark sooner. It's been such a great fit for our family. Well, we at Sped Homeschool agree. We've heard this from many of you that you love Bookshark as well. And just like Julie was talking about books, you get books um, with themes. So, but wondering how you can jump in on the Bookshark bandwagon? Well, start by heading to bookshark.com. On the Bookshark website, you can request a free catalog and browse it like a real magazine, um, or you can download samples, and you can see scope and sequence charts of what's taught at each level. There's also a blog at bookshark.com slash blog with hundreds of articles written by dozens of authors. The Bookshark site just has so much free information about how to teach your kids at home, whether you use Bookshark or not. Um, another example is you get a free unit study, and you can try out the Bookshark way um, of literature-based learning just check out bookshark.com slash freebies. And the new unit study for 2021 is all about volcanoes. Um, so let me share just a few more quotes. Jill says, we switched to Bookshark language arts this year. This was the best decision ever. We now have, we love how everything ties together. I can't tell you how grateful I am for Bookshark. We are looking forward to adding more subjects next year. And Catherine says, pulling my kids out of public school and getting Bookshark's full program safe or sanity. It was the best parenting decision we ever made. We are so much happier now versus the kids staring lifelessly at screens all day. The open and go component and high quality literature for science, history, and language arts is amazing. See if Bookshark is a best fit for your family. Like these uh, moms have said, visit bookshark.com to get a free catalog and then also Try that slash freebies to get that free unit study. So thank you, Bookshark, for um, sponsoring this episode of Empowering Homeschool Conversations. And I'm going to bring Julie back, and uh, we are going to continue our conversation about how to teach multiple level learners without losing your mind. <laughs> and so, um, so we were talking about reading and about books and how do you do that with all different ages of kids. And you had so much good information about keeping kids busy and even those kids that we think aren't paying attention but really are um, and how to, to help them each with their own their learning styles. But we have a, um, a viewer who has a question and she asked, she said, I have a child who does not want to engage. When I try to stop and ask questions, he's done. What should I do? Do you have any suggestions for her? That's a hard question. I am... Um... Yeah, I, I, you know, I would just, if, if stopping and, you know, you, then don't stop, keep going. I don't know. Um, mm. What do you think, Peggy? <laughs> you know, I, one thing I have, I did with my kids because they did not listen very well when I was reading um, was I read while they were eating, kept them in their seats. Um, that means I had to eat later, but I would stop and I would gasp sometimes, or I would use voices when we, I was reading, make it extremely entertaining um, and almost cause them to interact with it versus to like put them on the spot. Yes. Because I think when you put your child on the spot, they're going to shut down because they expect that they have to have the right answer. And maybe they have a slow processing speed and, or they aren't catching everything that you're reading so you just want to teach them how to engross in that um, versus test them. Because I think, especially if they're coming out of a public school environment, you always think that you're being tested when you're asked questions. Does that mean? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a 
big question asker in terms of, of um, deep and real questions. I might ask, mm -hmm. you know, when I, when I'm te when I'm reading it, I'm I'm doing more of the voicing and, 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 yeah. and just responding to it. And mm -hmm. um, it's not until after it's over that we can go back and, and review it and ask right. questions. Um, but during the actual time, the more discussion would be, you know, did you just see that? Did you read that? And, and, mm -hmm. and responding to it, reacting to it. Um, and again, yeah, reading it with voicing and making it as interesting as you can. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, so a lot of times I'll, I'll even get up on a table or I'll stand up or I'll reenact it or I'll, you know, oh, I'll yeah. be holding the book and I'll say it like, you know, and, and just kind of anything to get my kids to be entertained by it and to be to be focused on it. And if 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 asking direct questions is is hard, then mm -hmm. then then come around the back door with it. Um, so and or wait until you're done. Um, right. And 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 if they check out, then at least it's not in the middle of when you're when you're trying to keep them engaged. That, that's so true. So is that reenactment part of um, what you you do additionally for your your history? Is it yep. is, is that one so, thing? Yeah. So when you're finished discussing, you have you can you can answer your questions in the book. You can ask them questions. You can do maps. We have maps. I love maps. Um, everybody helps each other with their maps. Timelines are a fantastic activity to do as a family. I love the timeline figures. Mm -hmm. um, our timeline books are really super easy. They're mom friendly because the pictures are actually in them. So I don't have to go find the pictures um, and you just cut and paste them and put them exactly where they go. So it's like a no brainer timeline. Um, but you can also, you can make a big family timeline. You can, you can Velcro the pieces on the timeline and take them off and down. Mm -hmm. um, I, when I, when I teach at the co-op, I love to review over and over again each week. What did we talk about? What did we talk about? So that we can review right. um, and having a timeline where we can take the pieces down and up mm -hmm. is, is a really good way to remind ourselves um, and reenacting um, one of the events. Let's reenact what we just read. Um, yeah. writing a summary, having them write a summary of what they read and then mm -hmm. presenting that summary to the family. Mm -hmm. So they can, you can also have them do some notebooking or dig deeper and do research. Um, they can do copy work. You can have fun Jeopardy time. I love Jeopardy. Oh, Jeopardy is a great way to ask questions. Uh -huh. Um, if you have those little buzzers, those little, those, you can get them from Amazon and every child has their own buzzer <laughs> and you can ask a question and the kid that hits the buzzer. See for your kid that doesn't want to ask questions. I bet you that kid would like to hit a buzzer. I bet um, so. And so yeah. whoever's got the answer can hit the buzzer and then they mm. get to answer the question. So there's lots of things you can do to engage them. Mm -hmm. yes. So that's kind of history, that. geography. Um, mm -hmm. You got some writing in there. You got some notebooking going on. Right. So yeah. you've got a lot of integral parts that are all coming together just around that one topic. So, so that's, that's awesome. Um, so I saw one viewer said, hi, hi, Nikisha. Thanks for, for joining us. And we have um, a viewer on YouTube wants to know if there's a certificate. Um, I'm not sure if you want a certificate for watching this show. Um, so, so definitely, um, let us know what what you're looking for on that. If it's like continuing ed credits or or what, um, but we'll we'll definitely um, answer that question if you can just clarify a little bit more what you're looking for. But um, so history is great; it lends itself to learning together as well as some of the other things you talked about, vocabulary and um, 
I'll have to rewind to, to get the whole list. Um, but I know you've got more. So what else can we learn together as a family? So we can do foreign language is something you could do for your younger kids. Um, not for high school. High school, again, you need to break it off. But I did Latin mm. with the whole group of kids. I didn't know Latin except my little prefixes and suffixes. I never took Latin. I actually took German, so which is very different than Latin. Um, but it didn't matter. Because I learned along mm. with them. The cool thing about being the uh, mom homeschooler is that we have the answer key. That is our greatest tool is that you have the answer key. And if you have the answer key, you're smart in everything. Um, so we work so in the book. We listen to the audio. And we learned Latin together. I came uh-huh. out of that year with a surprising amount of Latin learned with my kids. Hmm. Um, don't ask me now because it's been 20, 10 years, but um, but I had fun with them. We we had uh-huh. fun learning Latin, you know, because it wasn't like we weren't testing or anything. We were just learning a language. Right. Um, so I guess another thing that we can do is hands-on activities. That's kind mm-hmm. of a really big family affair. And this is where many of you moms are going to run for the hills. Because that's yeah, the hardest part. It's it messy and we go, ooh, can I just yep. skip this part? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and also because this is multi-age, multi-grade. Mm. And we're talking about moms with lots of kids. And you're trying to do so much. you got all, yeah. especially if you got those uh-huh. little babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can, I'll just be honest. My students that come walking into my class each week, they don't walk in there asking me what they're gonna, what I'm going to teach them. The first question that comes out of their mouths is, Mrs. Snow, what are you going to do today? What are we going to do? Because the kids like to do. Mm -hmm. And um, here's my rule of thumb. Pick nine things to do. One a month. September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. Mm -hmm. You've got nine history-related things. And then if you're doing science activities, then that's that's more. Um, But if you take take a, like our book, or another activity book that that's science related. I mean, history related mm-hmm. because history is a really good do to do. Um, that yeah. it's it's good to, to work around what you can do in history. Mm-hmm. Pick out the mm-hmm. nine cheapest, most fun activities you can find. That's mm-hmm. one a month. There are ton of we we have tons of ideas. And once you start looking and sifting through mm-hmm. ideas, you're going to go, okay, well, I could do this one too because it's just a game and doesn't even require right. any materials. And maybe I can do this one. So, but start with nine simple, mm-hmm. easy That's things simple, that you can yeah. do. Mm-hmm. I'm a teacher and I need simple and low budget. Mm-hmm. And I usually at, at our co-op, I only have about 20 minutes to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did something every single week. Um, so, and I wrote our books. I wrote our hands-on books. So I know that there are tons and tons of good, easy ideas of things to do. Yeah. So if you're, um, if you're, if you're picking nine, you can do it. My focus is mm. fun. I want history to be fun. And I want to remember mm. what they, I want them to remember what we did. And if you want to be really cool about it, don't tell your kids what you picked. Get the material, mm-hmm. put it in baggies, label it, hide it in a box in September, pull out that first one, make it a big oh, deal all week. Talk about it. This yeah. on Friday, we are going to do something fun. And I don't care if you have a high schooler or a first grader, they're going to enjoy the mystery and you're going to pull that out and they're going to love it because it's different and it's fun Mm -hmm. and they're going to beg for more and they're going to go, they're not going to forget it. Um, You can do nine and maybe you can do more than that, but go for nine. Uh, Yeah, that, that is a very good, um, (laughs) just, just basic, easy, you know, this is doable. 
instead of I think we we have the pie in the sky type of um, we're gonna our homeschool is gonna look perfect and we're gonna have activities every day and we set ourselves up for failure when we do that but the once a, a month anybody can do that and and planning ahead really does would help too so yeah so is there anything else yep we can cook cooking oh, yeah. teaches children so mm-hmm. many things and it is a great family activity it doesn't have to be hard it can mm-hmm. be a simple activity that again cooking and history go really well together i, I know i sound a bit redundant yes, but they do. It, mm-hmm. it's just it, it is what it is cultural cooking is a blast it can be cooking yes. related to science. It can be based on a book that you read or just for fun. There are tons of ideas in our in our hands-on activities for cooking, um, but it doesn't have to be related to anything that you're studying. It can just be, hey, let's make a cake. Let's read the recipe book. Let's figure mm-hmm. out how to do it, and let's eat it, and let's enjoy it. And exactly. again, if you make, if you say, okay, let's do cooking once a month, nine mm-hmm. times, Nine mm-hmm. cooking events, not every week, not every time, but say one, one, once a month, we're mm-hmm. going to have a family cooking cookout and do something. Oh, yeah. And again, we have added one more thing in your, in your toolbox of things that are fun to do. Mm-hmm. So think about it. If you love God together, mm-hmm. if you're reading the Bible and singing and praise and praising and engaging them in your Bible, mm-hmm. if you do hands-on science where yeah. you're doing experiments or two, a week. Mm -hmm. If you have fun doing vocabulary and you make your vocabulary fun and engaging, Mm -hmm. if you do one history activity a month, if you do one cooking a month, if you add in a family game once or twice a month, and there Mm -hmm. are tons of history related games. Oh yeah. If you look Mm -hmm. for ways to get your kids together, doing things together, you're doing school. You aren't just sitting and doing workbooks. You're Mm -hmm. keeping them engaged and laughing Mm -hmm. and enjoying school as a family. Yeah, and that, that's what creates lifelong learners. Um, we want our kids to know that learning can be integrated into their lives. That is how we do it. And so I just love what you're saying. So so what's left? There, is there anything else? <laughs> yep, ah. the read-alouds. Oh, yes. The read-alouds tend to be the absolute best books on any curriculum book list. And they are another mm-hmm. great opportunity to have the family together. Pick books that the majority of the children are going to love. Yeah. If you have a widespread, the littles can listen and play quietly. The older ones can take turns reading the read-alouds if they're good readers. Mm-hmm. Read-alouds bring families together. They encourage discussion, invoke imagination, inspiration. You can list, do the read-aloud on audio. You don't have to oh, do it yeah. while you're mm-hmm. reading. Um, right. But just those read-alouds are fun, and they bring the families together. Mm-hmm. They sure do. Yes. And we still do them. You know, we're in the car, long trips. We do get those audiobooks and yep. it's, we do too. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, sounds so easy, but I know the biggest question we get is what about those toddlers? How do we homeschool with toddlers? <laughs> Yep, that is the biggest question. I heard Steve Demi, creator of Matthew C., say once that the hardest part of homeschooling is the toddlers, and it is true. Mm-hmm. How do you read to the older kiddos when the little one is hanging on your leg and crying his guts out? Yeah. Or eating the cat food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or climbing the steps or knocking over Joey's Lego creation. How do you deal with that when they're blowing out their diaper mm-hmm. or doing everything else that babies and toddlers do? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, 
short of locking them in a box. <laughs> they are never going to allow you to peacefully or gracefully homeschool with tot style. Mm. It's not going to be pretty with toddlers. That's the, that's the issue. But you know what? I have a 26 year old. Mm. I would love to go back to my toddler days. Mm. I miss them. You, those toddler days are so hard, but they're so fleeting and they're so precious. Mm. So we, it's okay if you can't homeschool with style with the toddler hanging around your leg. (laughs) So you're going to have to change up. Um, I can't, I don't, I don't have any, um, any huge bits of advice because they're toddlers. They're going to upend your life. Mm -hmm. But um, here are a few tips for the times when you need quiet or relative quiet. So you can teach everyone at your table, do Mm -hmm. group times around their nap times. Yeah. Or do group times around their eating times while you're shoveling Mm -hmm. Cheerios in their face. Right. Do your group times. Uh You can also create a box that only comes out during group time. So this yeah, is the toddler it. box mm-hmm. and it comes right. down off the refrigerator and we bring it down as the ceremonial box mm-hmm. and you, they get to pull it out and play with it. And as soon as it's over, everything gets put back in the box and put up and they, mm. that becomes the special box and you change things out. You don't keep the same stuff in that box. You, you move yeah. things around. Mm. You can also assign an older child to engage the little one. For the day, especially if you have a lot of kids, this is your job today. You get Isaac. You get to keep Isaac entertained. You bounce Mm -hmm. them. You carry them. You do whatever. You can still listen, but you are responsible for the for the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one option. Um, You can also do group times when both parents are home. So when you've got dad's help or mom's help or whoever is doing the um, the secondary teaching, they can take Johnny and and go play and while you teach. Mm -hmm. So that's another option. The other big thing that you can do is you can shorten your, your group times. And I know when I taught, I like to do everything. I like to do all our group times together. Mm -hmm. I like that. um, We're all at the table together, but when you've got toddlers, it's really hard to do that. And so Mm -hmm. you can just go, okay, we're going to do a short burst here and then we'll Mm -hmm. stop and you guys will go do your work, your, your individual work. And then we'll Mm -hmm. come back and do another short burst here. And that way Johnny Mm -hmm. is not forced to have to be quiet for such a long period of time. Yeah, and I go back so. to doing school. The more you do games, activities, experiments, cooking, all of those things, the more hands-on things you're doing, the easier it is for those toddlers to be there because mm-hmm. you're not expecting them to be quiet and sitting with their little hands folded. Mm-hmm. You're, you're doing and they're allowed to move too. So the more you do with your school, the better it is. Yeah, I, I completely agree, you know. Um, so, you know, it, it seems like a lot of chaos, but sometimes you just need to, to do things in the chaos. Um, but if you want your child to read, you know, I, or you have a student that needs, like, focused time, how do you handle that um, with this chaos happening in your yep. home. So you've got multi-age, multi-grade, and you've got mm-hmm. children that have to read their literature books. How do you do that? Right. So on a very practical level, you need to institute in that day a quiet reading time for everybody all at mm-hmm. the same time. Everybody needs it. It can be during afternoon nap for the littles. It uh-huh. can be right before lunch or right after, but you need a designated time mm-hmm. where everyone is in lockdown. And that way mm-hmm. you're... Um, your easily distracted kids can read because in chaos, they can't read. 
They can't read if things are happening. And your I love to read kids are are reading. And um and for you, what does mom do? This is when mom gets to take a nap. This is when mom gets to take a break and you go, wait a minute, mom's got all these laundry to do and the cooking to do and the and the and the dishes and all of that. But you know what? In if you're a teacher in school, teachers in school get our breaks every day. They get a break. That is a very good point. And it's important yes. as a mom of multi-age, multi-grade kids while you're teaching to get a break. You get a break too. You need to stop. Power naps are the most healthy things you can do. Little 10, 15 minute, close my eyes. Nobody talk to me. Right. I'm going to take a power nap. Nap. That uh -huh. is, you have my permission to do that. And a lot mm -hmm. of moms don't feel like they have that permission. They feel guilty for doing it. But take the guilt off. You need it. Because otherwise, by 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you are so face-planted exhausted right. and, and, and snipping mm -hmm. at your kids and frustrated and, and, and things just kind of boil. And when dad gets home at night, you're just like, I can't do this. Right. But that power nap, that 15, 20 minutes where you just relax and rest, it is it is. It is a lifesaver. This is so true. Yes. Listen to Julie on this one. Everyone. <laughs> You've got to do this. Otherwise, you're going to run yourself in the ground and you don't get any more done. I, I just want to let you know that you just do not because when you're tired, you're just not thinking straight and you actually get more done after you rest. So, yes. so make sure you do that. So in general, what does the schedule look like? you know, for your family while you were homeschooling? So when we, when we homeschooled, we had breakfast time, all of our work in the morning in one big, huge chunk, all of our group time. And the reason why I did that was because that way, when they did their individual stuff, the ones that needed to do a lot had lots of time and then they could go into the afternoon to do it. And the ones that could be done in the morning, they were done. And, um, and so, and that, if you have that big chunk of group time and that works great, if you don't have the toddlers, Right. If you have the toddlers, yes, you will have to split it and do group times at a couple mm -hmm. times a day. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and some people are going, how do I get my kids motivated? How do I get my kids to be mm. excited about this? Right. Don't be afraid to reward your kids. Don't be afraid to praise them, to yes. encourage your kids. Yep. I, have mm -hmm. a, I know a man, a dad who has a bowl of M&Ms. And he pulls it out whenever he's teaching history oh. and he pops, throws M&Ms at his kids for good answers. Yeah. Diana, if you want your kids to be engaged, throw M&Ms at them. Mm -hmm. Praise works wonders. It is, it is yes. like, it is not yeah. used enough. We need to use mm. praise. Small prizes, small rewards, big prizes, big rewards, work for family rewards, work for trips, oh, yeah. um, every, anything yeah. you can mm -hmm. do. So that's kind of my talk today. Um, multi-age, multi-grade. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a lot of really good advice. And it, it really leads well into tomorrow we're going to have a, a special matinee um, version of Empowering Homeschool Conversations because I will be on the road again next week and I'm not sure my internet's going to be very good. So, um, but we're going to talk about optimizing your morning time. And so my guest tomorrow is going to be sharing a lot of resources that she uses with her family and she has a special needs kiddo too. Um, and teaches multi-levels all at the same time, but just some of her favorite resources. Um, so she'll definitely want to join us for that. If you listen to the podcast, it'll be the following week. So um, so make sure to, to join in that. But I, um, 
Julie, can you talk just a little bit about BiblioPlan and where people can find that? I'm going to bring up your website here, too. So BiblioPlan is classical history, literature, geography, writing. It's kindergarten through 12th. It's multi-age, multi-grade. Um, super easy to do, very mom friendly. You don't have to do there's except for picking your crafts and picking mm -hmm. your literature books because we're like a smorgasbord. So you get to pick the literature books that you want to awesome. do with your kids, mm -hmm. but you're given lots and lots of ideas and we tell you what our top picks are. Um, mm -hmm. super easy. Um, we have written our own history books. We have a, a younger child student level than the high school level, okay. but they're written in a way that you can read the younger book to everybody. Mm -hmm. And then the older mm -hmm. kids can be independent with that book, yeah. but they can still be part of the family. Um, we have maps, we have notebooking, we have coloring pages, we have hands-on activities out the Watsuits. Um, we, it's just a really fun, engaging curriculum. Yeah. And it's history and literature and it's Christian worldview and it's very much God friendly. You get to watch God's mm. story unfold as you do history. That's so cool. And if you're listening, um, it's Biblioplan, B-I-B-L-I-O-P-L-A-N dot net um, so that you can um, see that. So, so, yeah, definitely check that out. And like I said at the beginning of the or kind of in the middle of the broadcast, I guess um, that we want to review crew just did an unboxing of the first book of Biblio Plan. So if you check out our YouTube channel, you'll see that. And then the premiere of the review um, from one of our, our review crew members will come out on Thursday. So we want to check that out as well. And uh, she had a great review of that. So um, so thank you, Julie. This, this was really good. Like I said, when I looked through your notes, it brought back memories of all the things that I've done for years with my kids. And I just love that you share it because we don't say this enough now with modern day homeschooling. We, we look for programs that we can stick our kids in front of and screens and and have somebody teach them but there's so much richness and depth in education when we bring our kids together and so thank you for sharing all those resources thank you thank you for having me yeah yeah and also i said at the beginning but um julie was on our show in january um crafting your um your curriculum. And so you'll want to check out that if you enjoyed this um, conversation as well. There's, that was received very well. So, um, so definitely check that out. Um, again, this, um, this broadcast, Empowering Homeschool Conversations, is uh, put on by SPED Homeschool. We are a nonprofit, and we appreciate um, you um, joining us in our desire to empower families to homeschool children with um, special educational needs. Um, you can do that, um, becoming a donor partner with us. You can check out our website at spedhomeschool.com to learn that or to find homeschooling resources. We were just rated the number one special needs homeschooling blog. And um, I just realized the other day that this broadcast, the, the podcast itself is rated number three for homeschooling podcasts. And it's, wow. it's rated number two for special needs um, yeah. or special education podcasts. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> so, um, so that's pretty cool. But we have a lot of resources on spedhomeschool.com and also on our YouTube channel. So you want to check those out. But also check out Julie's um, curriculum at biblioplan.net. And thank you, Bookshark, for sponsoring this episode of Sped or I'm sorry, Empowering Homeschool Conversations. It used to be called Sped Homeschool Conversations. Um, anyways, and so we just thank you, 
on Bookshark. If you want to find out more about um, what they offer, you can check them out at bookshark.com. So, so thanks everybody for joining us. And we've had some great viewers. Um, definitely. Thank you for all your comments and your, your questions. And like I said, we'll be back again tomorrow, actually tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Central. Uh, we'll be talking about optimizing your morning time with multiple learners. So, so thanks again, Julie. Um, thanks for staying up late Thank with you. us. I know you're, you're way past your bedtime, so we'll let you go. And we'll see the rest of you tomorrow. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.